Welcome back to Quest for Peace. I'm Ayaz Akhtar. I have like I'm actually in the guys from Queens headquarters today. So like if you're like, hey, your apartment looks a lot like GFQ. I didn't steal the, this entire look. I'm actually in Queens today, and we're shooting in April. We're going to shoot a whole bunch of this stuff. So you're going to get this out week by week, and we've got a ton of guests today. So if you're watching live, lucky for you because we're going to be talking a lot. And if you're not watching live, well, you missed something. You should follow me on Twitter. Then let's see. I'm actually going to be switching this live. So if it sucks. You blame me. But the audio should be fine. There's my little Twitter. That's not my handle. You can see that. It's my guest who's already snickering. Well, yeah, so if you want to find out when the show is live, uh, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at IAS. And this show, if you've never heard of it, I don't know how you're watching it now, but this show is about uh, trying to find inner peace. And I've been looking for that for years. Okay, I am getting there uh, ever since uh, before I hit 30, which I turned 36 years ago. Uh, and uh, I wanted to figure out, okay, who am I going to be? What am I going to be? I'm way too wound up. I'm way too uptight. I need to kind of chill out. So I've been trying to figure out different ways. And most of this show is about me failing, quite honestly. I, I really suck at finding inner peace. So uh, I have people on this show every now and then to talk about what they've gone through and what it takes for them to find some inner peace. And today we've got a very special guest, somebody I know pretty well. Uh, her name, I forget her name, though. I think it's like Elizabeth Romero. Uh, there she is right there. You can see her. That, let me give her my lower third. That's eight there. And then there we go. That's by yourself. Liz Romero, everybody. Hello. Now, if nobody knows who you are, they're like, okay, why is this person on this show? Who are you? Uh, my name is Liz Romero. I met Ayaz when we both worked at Twit. And we ended up becoming best of buddies. True story. We, yeah, true story. Um. And then eventually, many, many years from then, we ended up taking our friendship to the next step. Yeah, what we did is we decided to become an LLC. Clearly, that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. We're, Tax we're, purposes. Exactly. No, totally. No, we're, we've been a, a couple now for what, two years now? Yeah, we just had our two-year um, anniversary. Mm-hmm. That's right, on the 24th of March. Yeah, we're good at this stuff. Well, yeah. So two years now, we've been a thing, like an actual thing, a formal thing. Like ET thing? I don't know if E.T. has anything to do with this. I was just thinking about the E.T. video game from Atari. Yeah, we were watching some Atari documentaries the other day. Yeah. So anyway, now, you've met me, but what else should people know about you? Now, you're, as far as I know, a California girl, and you're in Queens right now. Yeah, I'm not visiting. Like, this isn't vacation. All right, so you, tell me about growing up and, and then moving out here. Okay, well, I am a kind of odd specimen where I'm a nerd, but I played all the sports and was the tomboy. So even though I have an older brother, everyone thought he was younger than me because he was like my like role model. He loved Marvel and comics and video games and Nintendo. So I did too, because whatever he did had to be amazing. It's like, oh, but because I played sports and I was really good, I would always be the person playing all the sports and people knew who I was, but I didn't really know my brother because he was very quiet and like sitting in the corner playing magic cards or pong or something like that. So if people start, you know, picking on him, I'd be the person getting their face like, you know, take somebody on your own size, even though they're older than me because they're. But you're quite tall, though. I, I was stretched as a child, I think, mm-hmm. you know, because I did have lined up scholarships. So parents, you know, they got their goal. Um, but yeah, I just always grew up being kind of a protector. And I think that's why I always go towards nerds. It's like, I always want to like, 
You are my people. Let me protect you. <laughs> you go towards nerds. Okay, so, <laughs> I'm going towards but, nerds. But you live your whole life in California. And whole life. there are like there are three massive stresses people can go under. It would be moving, changing a job, and death. So these are the worst things a person can experience. And you moved out with me in, what was it, June of last June. year? Now, yeah. what was that like, that adjustment to go from Woodacre, and then we lived in Pet- we lived together in Petaluma, California, which is, yeah. if you don't Where, know... And I lived in Woodacre for 20... Yeah. Eight years? 27 years. Yeah. Yeah. So Woodacre, if you don't know anything about it, can you describe Woodacre to people? Because when you told me how to visit you, you go, it's by the house where the bus stop used to be. Um, so I'm born and raised in an area where there's no cell phone reception. I live where cows live. It was, you know, this sounds like something that would be in Winnie the Pooh where it's like, it's literally wood acre. That's where I'm born and raised. So there's a bunch of trees, one little general store. If you wanted to actually go anywhere, it's going to be a, at least a 15 minute drive. You had to drive everywhere. Very, 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 very small town. Very hippie-ish. I have the, I still have the calluses on my feet from being barefooted a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, but definitely, you know, not those other habits. It was kind of like that hybrid of like, it's the richest county Marin and hippies. So it's like yippies. Like it's like all the hippies and they care about the environment, but they're driving the SUVs that are supposedly green. It's this weird combination of it, which doesn't make much sense. But I've just grown up in a small town where everything was slow and you had to drive everywhere. Pretty much basically the complete opposite of manhattan well we haven't talked about petaluma yet oh yeah <laughs> petaluma is uh, a little bit different it's um it's got this uh what's that feel what you call it small towny old towny yeah very old towny you basically if you've ever seen like american graffiti or mm. something like that that's where it actually was shot petaluma is this old town and it's kind of sl- small and slow and it's definitely yeah. small and slow but it does have um it's kind of on the up and rising, I think, a lot of people have said. Dude, you can look at me like all you want, but remember, there was that McDonald's commercial about Petaluma that we randomly there, saw. There is a McDonald's commercial about Petaluma, but it's also very, very uh, slow. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a nice town. But we moved to Manhattan after living in Petaluma for a while. So what was that change like for you? And, and, and what's that, uh, what does that do for your, like, your mental well-being? Because if you're used to something for so long and you're used to a world where it's quiet and it's slow and it's got like, what's the word? Um, dirt road sometimes actually in Woodacre. Yeah. And around two Woodacre. Yeah. Moving to, to the, the concrete jungle. What, what was that like? And what did that do to you mentally? Um, well, it actually had a lot of effects that I didn't even know had taken place. Um, Cause when I moved to, I went from 27 years or 28 years I'm turning 30 this year. Oh, God. Um, So 28 years in Woodacre, you know, living on the property that I was born and raised on in a studio to Petaluma living in a house with you and then went from that, which was, you know, November to June. And then June, we moved to Manhattan, New York. Okay, but what and was... I didn't even realize how much of a culture shock that was going to give me. I heard about it, but I didn't even realize my symptoms of being just kind of feeling like I was in a daze. I felt like I was 
like just walking in a dream and nothing was really happening. I didn't even realize that how this was culture shock and homesickness. I didn't even know the effects. It really just threw me out of my element because for the first time I didn't have a job. I wasn't the stable one where like everyone could depend on me. Like I, I have my stuff together. It's like, no, I went from having all my stuff together, having a job, having, you know, everything together to disheveled, no job in a strange place by myself with two dogs when I'm born and raised as a cat person. Okay, I don't know if you're by yourself. I was I was at work, right? <laughs> you so, were at work and then I'd be like sitting in the apartment with like no couch like on a on an Okay, well this this is a okay, that's interesting. So the idea was we moved out to New York cuz my son lives out in New York. Yes. And and then you we were seeing if we were going to be a thing. Yeah. And so we lived together in Petaluma to see if that was going to work. Yeah, we kind of I, I made it so it's like okay, because I knew that you were going to be moving to New York before a lot of people because we work together. And if you're moving to New York, then obviously I would be. And I didn't know if that was going to work. I didn't want it to jeopardize my job because that was pretty much a potential career where I was at. So we kind of had to keep that under wraps. Uh, let's talk about you and secrets, by the way, real quick. And, okay, what do you so, mean? Why would you talk about secrets? No, for, ment- for mental... <laughs> Okay, I'm not I'm not messing with you just because you know I, I know you really well. I'm, this is actually about this this show. If you're listening to this, you're trying to figure out okay, how do I find inner peace too, right? Oh yeah. And you were basically under a ton of stress because you knew a bunch of secrets about me that I was leaving that company. Yeah. You knew that I was going to move to New York. You knew a lot of this stuff before anybody else did, and you were really good friends with certain high level people. And, what did that do to you internally oh, it and, how, me. and how did you handle it? Um, well, since I was the assistant to the CFO and the owner and the CFO pretty much was one of my closest friends, I've uh, known her for over 10 years. That was just, it wasn't as stressful as moving here. I found out, I thought that was like the most stressful point in my life but obviously there's been new heights of ascended (laughs) but it was just so hard um kind of it it was kind of like I was like on a balance beam or like a seesaw where I was just in the middle of trying to make sure it's like trying to make you happy and make sure that we're good and then I'm trying to make my friend and my boss happy so it's like my partner who we're figuring out if we're going to move together and then I have my job and my boss and it was a balance act and it just like after a while it kind of felt like I was just there balancing act and then my core and everything was giving out. It was just just too much at one point where I just broke down and had to kind of tell each of you. It's like you can't talk about this person. And you can't talk about this person. Well, to be fair, I think we were both talking a lot of crap about each other to you separately. Yeah, I was because... a middle person and I had to kind of just like take it all in and then didn't have any release. Yeah, so you, you kind of got stuck in the middle of there, and then we set a boundary. So this is actually very important. For, mm-hmm. This is, you know, the idea of finding peace was, okay, please don't speak to me about this, about this person. And I was like, not a problem. Oh, yeah. We had it so that there's like certain people you just, if you can't, it's kind of like if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all about certain people. And that kind of made it so that we were better. Because before it was like tension, because it's like, well, I need to vent about this. It's like, but I don't want to, I, you know, then that will get me on a tangent. It's like, and vice versa. So I think that's the best way we found it. You have to find those boundaries. If you're working together, what are the boundaries that you have to establish so that you make it so that when you're off work, 
you are relaxing because that's the thing when you're off work and at home you're supposed to be decompressing relaxing instead of like riveting it all up and reliving the and rehashing the day and be like i didn't really go home i get off work and still doing it well i mean there was a time where we were working together and then we'd come yeah. back home and so we knew everything that happened the person's day like what happened oh. today i know what happened today you got yelled at for something dumb i got yelled at for something dumb or whatever the heck it might, might be that day. Yeah, or it's like, oh, and I saw you kind of take the brunt of that over there. Like, ooh, that didn't look good. It's like, yeah. But then we had different jobs, different places. I moved over to CNET, and I was working in San Francisco. Which was still really tough because that was before people knew that still they didn't know that you were planning on moving to New York. All they knew is that you went to CNET. They had no idea. The reason why you took the job at CNET is because that means that you could transfer to New York where your kid is. Mm-hmm. So I still had to kind of play, you know, like, ha, oh yeah, he's loving the San Francisco office. He'll be there forever. No, no. Well, I did love the San Francisco office. I know I you loved it, it's but it's not office. like you like moved there and set up shop to be there forever. Well, we also had the issue of the fact we lived in Petaluma and mm-hmm. I was taking the bus to work. So that's you an, hate commutes. Well, it's an hour and a half commute. It's one of the reasons why I lived in Petaluma in the first place because I was only a 10 minute commute if I was walking or taking a car. Now it was gone for about three hours. You barely saw me during that time. That was stressful yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went you... from seeing each other. That was a hard adjustment. That was insanely hard because we went from complete, it was kind of like, you know, that whole, you kind of put me on withdrawal. I was having eyes withdrawals <laughs> because you were kind of like my heaviness drug where it's like, I got to see you all the time. You're my best friend. So it's like working together. I could be bouncing on my ball and like get your eye eyesight be like oh hey and like where i am mean, like i can see you <laughs> to all that then to i barely saw you because you're up insanely early getting on the bus and then you come home and sing late and you're exhausted and you were also working out at the time which mm-hmm. we you know is one of your forms of like de-stressing out and helps you do your thing um so yeah that it we've had a lot of things or you know what i've dealt with a lot of Boom, I'm going to go from a lot of ayas to no ayas. I'm going to go from a very slow, small town to, boom, busy Manhattan, New York, concrete. So I've had a lot of, like, big adjustments. Well, how did, okay, so how did you adjust to that? Because I have my ideas of how you adjusted to it because, I mean, we can be honest about this. It wasn't exactly a smooth transition. No. And none of these were smooth transitions. And the thing is, we had to work really hard to figure out what does it take to make it work? Because we had a lot of external things saying, okay, look, you're in Manhattan. It's concrete. There's nothing I can do with it. There's a park over there. I can show you some greenery. Yeah, because we live next to Central Park, which is we're like... lucky. So what, what did you do when you're trying to adjust? What did you see that didn't work? And what do you see that works now? Because that, I think, would be really helpful to anybody listening. And also mm-hmm. just figuring out, what did you do to find... Because we're actually... I mean, I don't want to jinx it. We're in a really good place right now. You know, we're 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 doing really well. Your job's going very very well. You got a career now. Yeah. I mean, you got a position where you have a career path, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing well. Things are going very well. So, could you tell uh, everyone how the adjustment went, which is poorly, and how <laughs> how oh, we would have done it a little different. How we've made it. How we've made it better. Yeah. Um. Well, the first thing is I'm. And this definitely comes from me having PTSD. Um, And I have that because of my past relationships. And because... I mean, you don't have to explain any further, but yeah. Yeah. So just just because of um, past relationships, I have PTSD. 
So I'm already on edge when it comes to being with being with a partner and you being in that role and you were my only um, ally or my only support group going from a lot of support and people in California to um, just you. And the problem then, the thing that I didn't do the best thing about was, and I wish I could turn back the time and redo was I hold held a lot in. I didn't tell you about like, I'm going through this, you know, I'm feeling this. I'm, you know, I would only actually tell you these things when it finally, you know, I got to the boiling point and it's spilling over and, you know, it's just like the kettle pot is like, instead of just when I start to hear the little whistle, I'd wait till the thing's boiling over to tell you. Mm-hmm. So I wish I had, you know, taking a deep breath, actually, you know, as soon as I start to feel anxious or a little bit of anxiety, it's like, no, I moved from California to New York. I love you. You're my partner. You're my best friend. I can talk to you. I don't have to keep all these things bundled up wondering if these feelings are justified or right. Is it all in my head? Because um, just things like that always always happen. I, you know, I got to the point in uh, my past where I didn't trust my judgment and I'm still trying to get that fully back because I was always told I was doing stuff wrong and I would just go with that, take the blame. Um, So I've really had to readjust about when I can feel comfortable and when I need to be expressing what's going on with me and take that as it is kind of a leap, but like a normal thing for people. It's a leap for me, but for people, it's kind of like, oh, no, you just tell that person. For me, I'm like looking at him like, oh, no, no, there's a huge gap. You don't understand. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of the um, trying to figure out what could you tell me at what time? And then uh, we had to figure out, well, what can we do about it? Because yeah. you would you, you you do a very strong face thing. I mean, I think that comes a lot from just, like you're saying, protecting people. Mm-hmm. So you would put on a, a front and like, okay, I'm strong. I can handle this. And I'm like, how on earth is she handling this? Because this... If I moved, and when I, I've moved to small towns from big cities, and that was a terrible adjustment for me. It took me months to understand what the appeal was of these things. And the fact that you seemed okay for a while. Um, and then eventually, it was I mean, it was a little bit rough. But the thing was, you were dealing with a ton of stress. And that was, that's difficult. It's really, really freaking difficult. And you, yeah. and you had a, let's talk about the job hunt oh a little God. bit. So like, you had a very steady job in California at Twit. Before that, you were a... Uh, property, not manager, technically. What was it? Um, when I left uh, that job, I was a leasing agent, but at one point I'd been assistant property manager and that was for residential luxury apartments. So I went from two successful careers um, that had a lot of stability. Um, I was making the most money I ever had at Twit. And then I went from that to living in New York and... We moved there in June and it was just, it was such a huge blow to kind of an already, you know, kind of fragile ego I have, which I don't really let people know because I put on a face, you know, just like, oh, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be strong for, you know, other people because I have the protective need, even though underneath this hard shell, it's just like a, it's like a hard boiled egg kind of or a poached egg where it's like he's. I was thinking lobster, but okay. Lobster? Okay, it'll work. You're kind you of know? tough and rough. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, you're saying something serious. <laughs> um, but yeah, just I, I have this hard shell where it's like I, I'm better at solving other people's problems than my own. Hmm. Definitely better at focusing on other people, you know, and that will distract me from my own immense amount of issues. Um, 
oh my gosh, you totally got me distracted by the lobster. By the lobster. But so the thing I was talking about with you is, okay, so you had, in, in California, you had connections too. And the other thing is like the way you got your job is because basically you were recruited by a friend. Yeah. So you had a ton, like you said, support in California. There was a lot of uh, infrastructure there. So you come out to New York and it's a job hunt. And, you know, we try to get, some, like I try to pull whatever strings I've got and had limited strings because I've also lived in California for the past you know, three years. Now I've been out here mm-hmm. and you were doing a job hunt and applying for many, many jobs. Uh, do you remember how you handled all of that and what made it better? Well, at first it was, at first I was very optimistic, you know, just putting out all those applications and it's like, Oh no, I've got this connection. I've got this connection. I'm going to try this. Oh, this seems promising because I had promising interviews with uh, CBS and also Rolodex. Um, So I had these promising leads. And the problem was is being optimistic, but then kind of driving it so high that when I got to kind of that top of the ladder and then it just quit because all of a sudden it's like, oh, they picked somebody else. And I would just like, instead of kind of, just walking down the ladder, I'd just be like, well, that sucked, and just and instead yeah, yeah. just, like, jump off of it and hurt myself. I think it was Rolex, not Rolodex. Rolex, the watchmaker, right? Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they, they, they didn't hire you, so to, no, help, to help with them. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it wasn't Rolodex. <laughs> no, now I, now I deal with people that have Rolodexes, which well, is very confusing. Well, yeah, you, you did. It seemed like you built yourself up a lot, and mm-hmm. if something didn't go right, there was a kind of crash with that yeah i would i would jump off the like the 10 foot ladder instead of just climbing back down i would just set myself up and it's like oh well now i need to go from ground zero it's like instead like no 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 just go down a couple steps more you've you've got the resume you've got contacts you've got things out there instead i would keep this mentality of like oh no i'm all the way back to ground zero i'm you know need to jump off the ladder and hurt myself you know kind of like just break myself down and start from scratch which yeah, i really were, didn't need to do you were really rough on yourself about that mm-hmm. and then uh, there came a point where i was like listen let's start doing some math and we start doing the math argument oh about that was this? helpful yeah so like if you ever are on linkedin this makes a lot it's a lot easier to understand like when you apply for a job you see like 85 people have applied now in manhattan okay yeah. where we're living and the area the other thing was we were looking at you were looking at jobs that were nearby us too so you're not only were you looking for like a pathway that you are familiar with or would be happy with and a career a yeah career. not just a, not just like a seasonal or temporary job i was you know it was like i saved up money to a certain extent i was um on unemployment so it's like i had it so that i i i strategically made it so that i could actually come out here and look for a, a career a good job not just do something where, you know, I just had to take this because it was the only thing out there and then be miserable at that job. I actually had it set up where I could actually look for an actual career and something that I really did like and be happy at what I was doing. And so the math. The math Yeah, helped. so we started talking about, okay, like if 1% of people want this job of Manhattan, that would be, you know, X amount. And if they were actually from New Jersey or they're willing to come to Connecticut, from Connecticut, because Long there's commuter, City, they come from everywhere. There's all this commuter culture out here yeah. too. So the idea is not only you're competing with everybody on the island, you're competing against all these other people and yeah. you're dealing with, you know, tons and tons of people for uh jobs that are hard to that, first they're rare. Yeah. And then you are asking for a certain amount of money. You mm-hmm. want a job and a career path. So now we started narrowing it down and the math we came up with something more like 
there's probably like 100 to 500 people every single time going for the same job you were. So if you didn't get it, it wasn't that like you were down. There was only three people and they didn't pick you. It wasn't about not being good enough. It's like this is a massive class of people that you're constantly facing. And I think once we talked about that, that you had this idea of like, oh, what what was that like? Because it seemed like something clicked. What yeah. was that? Um, it was just, it was really just a sense of, um, what was the best way to describe that? It's just kind of like it, it was just kind of like a reality check where it's kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing as bad as I thought. Cause all my first reaction to everything is it's my fault. You know, that was kind of, um, unfortunately branded into me after so many years of, um, abuse. So it's just that norm. It's that like kind of riding a bike. I'm used to riding a bike a certain way. So it was just used to, it's like, oh, something didn't go right. So it's got to be my fault. Some, you know, instantly go to the path I know I did something wrong. But then when you talked to me and told me about like, no, you, you're actually here are the odds that you're going against and you're getting to be like the top three people. That's actually really good. Yeah, Cause you were interviewing a lot. That was yeah. the thing. It wasn't like you were just, oh, thank you for your interest letters or even like no responses. You were, you were on interviews yeah. a good number of times cause you were like, we need to get some new clothes. I remember that mm-hmm. lot of discussion. That <laughs> we had to go to the Marshalls or wherever. So I remember those. Yeah. But so yeah, you were reaching very high levels and, and you were so hard on yourself about these things. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so. Gaining perspective really helps. And that's why I also like going to um, just part of my PTSD. is just me being a um, having codependency issues mm-hmm. from very codependent. So that's why I also like to go to, um, which helps me keep myself grounded and get myself kind of back on track. I, I also do um, CODA, which is Codependence Anonymy. Anonymous. Anonymous. <laughs> yeah. But you run that actually um, right now. Yeah, I um, chair that now. And that's something that really does help me because it helps me always gain perspective. I think perspective is really huge when you're trying to just level yourself out. If you're stressed, it's just gaining that perspective always helps. So just going to that meeting weekly, that's a huge thing that helps me uh, because when I go there, it's like I, I hear people that, you know, may not have had it as hard as I have or vice versa. And it's that whole perspective of it's like, wow, I don't have it that bad. Or like, wow, like this person I can help. It's like just regrounds me, regroups. That's something that I'm very grateful for. And I think that perspective is huge on gaining peace of mind for me that's huge yeah it's been like a theme on this show it's like anytime we talk to anybody and they seem to have uh their stuff together they seem <laughs> to be like no you know i try to keep perspective because you know it, it things can really suck when you're in it right yeah and if you keep kicking yourself about it and you just keep thinking okay remember that thing i did that i screwed up i'm gonna keep thinking about it over and over and over again not only yeah. is that moment already passed you it's already done but you're wasting your time worrying about it, it. And then you feel worse, and now you feel bad that you feel worse, and then you're stuck in this horrible feeling where you're like, wait a second, we're in Manhattan, mm-hmm. we can do something, we're in Queens right now, we can do yeah. something, we can do whatever we want, uh, we're, you know, we're healthy, we're relatively young, we can do stuff. We are young, we're not relatively young. Uh, well, okay. yeah, you're, okay, thank you. <laughs> you're so, but yeah, that's the idea of like, once you go and step back and go, wait a second, things mm-hmm. can be good. They actually are not usually as bad, especially I think with, with you going to those groups, uh, like you're saying, seeing other people's uh, experiences. And that's 
kind of what this show is kind of is. It's like you yeah. see what we dealt with and 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 ha- what we did to figure things out. Hopefully, you're getting something out of this. You're hearing all this, and you're like, you know, I didn't get a job, and oh, I feel worse. And I, I went, I was, remember, I kept telling you, I was unemployed for eight months, mm-hmm. and your unemployment level, I think, went for five, which was amazing considering what you were trying to do. I'm like, this is fine. Like, you're doing great, and yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, hopefully, people are getting something out of this. Like, don't don't freak out. And if something goes bad, what would you tell people if they were stuck in the same situation with you, and not with you, because if they were with you, then they're me. If they are. <laughs> So situation. you can give that perspective maybe a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, if they, were, if they were in the same position as you, like other than perspective, what else got you through this? I mean, it seems like talking, it seems like seeing other people's experiences um, between moving, the job, uh, just the whole culture shock thing. Like how, do you, how does somebody adjust to all of this stuff at once? That's the crazy thing. It's not just one thing. This was all of it. Like at least when I moved to California, I had a job waiting for me. Well, yeah, because we we moved in June, so I moved to a completely strange place with no job for the first time because I'd always had a job. I'd always been volunteering, but I'd always had a job. Um, and then in December, I also had the bomb of my grandpa passing away on Christmas Eve. So, yeah, I had like the three huge things that affect people all at once. Um, at a really, you know, and that was just right after I started the new job and I was training for it. So I think the best thing that helped me get through it and that I recommend to anyone is if you have feelings inside, you can't keep them bottled up. You have to, you really have to make sure that you can find somebody to talk to, even if it's going to something like a CODA meeting where it's people you don't know, or if it's just Skyping with your friend, you know, who's in New Zealand, which my best friend is. So you have to figure out that Mm -hmm. 13 hours time difference but it's just it's something about actually seeing somebody's face you know calling does help but I really do think it's something about seeing somebody's face and talking to them and seeing their expression and them actually reacting to you and having sympathy or understanding and that's the thing that I really think is key for when you're going through these changes you really need to make sure that you are not holding it up all inside that you actually are releasing it you're you're and you're releasing it in a healthy way not all of a sudden just like i've gone to the point where i become antsy like i need to tell somebody it's like no just like when you start getting anxiety you know it's not healthy to keep that in you have to release it so and so when you start feeling anxious that's when i think it's good to talk to somebody start talking to a friend or start going to a meeting or you know even just like Find some site like meetup.com and, you know, find people that have similar interests and talk to them. Just be able to talk to a human being. That connection, that is the thing that will just level. It will keep you a little bit more mellow. It will release some stress. Just even talking about normal stuff, it's like, okay, I'm not, you know, in my own little world anymore where everything's getting twisted and getting to, you know, making everything worse and worse. You're actually out in the world not letting your brain kind of fester and turn everything to be more evil and more um, out of control than it is. Yeah. It's, it's, I think the other thing is, you know, you, you've told me this a million times, you're a visual person. So basically finding, knowing yourself well enough to go, okay, wait a minute, I need to see their faces. I just can't do a phone call. That's not enough for me Yeah, to know yourself well enough to go, what do I need? I don't care how silly it is. Like I, 
look, I do need to be surrounded by people. I need to talk to these people or I need to see them. And they might think it's silly. And then like, I don't, I don't know how to use Skype, Liz. I don't know. Like, listen, I will walk you through it because I really need to see it. Yeah. Like to, to know yourself well enough to go, this plays to my strengths. I'm going to feel better by doing this. And because for me, I'm very like inside. So if, if something's going on, I don't want to be in a group. I'm like, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. I want to figure it out. I want to figure it out. I can figure out my problems myself, right? How does it work out for you? Does not work out very well. Okay. So then I have to go find people to talk to, <laughs> but I also have to figure out how to say stuff properly to them because otherwise I can just let it, that, that festering stuff out of my mouth and it sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. Or I can go, here's what's actually bugging me. Like, here's yeah. what's going on. And that's, I mean, I'm, I'm in therapy. People know that. And so like me too, yeah. a, a lot of talking to lots of people to figure out, it's almost like you said, a reality check. Like, am I nuts or blah? And like, oh, you're nuts. Yeah. Not sorry, not pointing at you, but that's what they say to me. <laughs> like, oh, like my my my, my uh, the best therapist I had basically called me out on everything I was doing wrong. He's like, well, you Arden, Arden, John Arden. He was like, uh, yeah, you're doing that wrong. Yeah, you can't think that. And I was like, what? Because a lot of people like embrace your feelings, and you know you're right to have them. This guy was like, you can't do that. I was like, well, I think he's right. Because obviously this is not working. I'm here talking to you, right, Arden, yeah. Doctor Arden. He was an awesome guy. But yeah, that's sometimes checking. You know, it's really, really helpful. And mm-hmm. I think, jeez, uh, you've you've had that. Those are that was some six months, huh? It was that was a hell of a time. Yeah, it it was definitely intense. And then just um, a huge, huge hurdle for me always trying to find um, like my own quest for peace is just the huge hurdle is just me dealing with. PTSD because um, the best way to explain that is what led me to having PTSD was just me being in relationships and the best way for me to describe it is I was kind of like in the eye of a twister um, where everything is getting destroyed around me you know all my stuff is getting destroyed but I'm in the eye of it where it's quiet and I don't realize and I don't see all the destruction I'm kind mm. of just looking just straight at the ground and I'm not seeing what the twister is doing and all the destruction it's doing to everything till all of a sudden I'm just kind of, it tosses me out and I'm not even the one who stepped out or tried to get out of it. Um, so because <laughs> I experienced a couple twisters um, that led to me having PTSD and that is just a huge hurdle to, um, to kind of conquer every day, I think. And gaining perspective is a big help to it. And just with having PTSD, my, on a daily basis, it's me trying to not take the path that I'm used to, that I've known. It's taking the path unknown because the path that I do know that that's easiest for me, it's like, it's like the train. It's like this, you know, this track is the one that I know, even though it's crickety and it's like going to end into a tunnel and I'm going to get jambled around that one. I know. So I'm going to go on that track versus this new track that's brand new unknown but you know it's like nice stops it's kind of like the two and three trains and i'm going on the seven here it's like why am i doing that i don't need to go on the seven i know that it's not known for good service and the cars aren't going good but i take it because i know it versus like the two or three where it's like they're nice and smooth and you know they're nice cars but no it's like i'm gonna do that because i know that it's that daily struggle of taking that deep breath, take the path that's unknown, even though it's like unfamiliar and anxiety. It's like, no, 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 take a breath, like just breathe, take the thing that's unknown, but you do know is actually better for you, which is hard for me. Well, there's also the idea of like, okay, 
just because you haven't done it doesn't mean the unknown way is bad. No. It's because, hey, wait a second. I had, like, you know, I, I've, you've even said the same thing to me, like, well, how's that going for you? Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm like, well, I, this is the way I do stuff. Well, how are you doing? You seem really angry. It's like, she's right. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we we need to wrap up, actually. Okay. So good, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, you know. Intense there, huh? Yeah. Okay, so. My therapist will be so proud. <laughs> so anyway, if, if people wanted to find you online or um, or whatever. I'm hoping they're not in your office because I don't think you should give that out. Oh, uh, no. But it is. We've got guards, though, so you'd be fine. Anyway. Yeah, I have, I, yeah, I have all my guards. They are, they are my minions. It's so a very unusual. Try to, try to find me near Madison Square don't, Garden. Don't, don't do that, please. Because I don't okay. want them to actually try to find you. <laughs> I'll show. Like, I have to come to your work all, every day then. Anyway. <laughs> if, if you. It's odd. I always thought promotion is really odd on this show. But if there's anything either you want to promote or just advise to people, whatever you want to say, go for it. Um. Well, just I think if it's anything to do with myself, I'm I'm mostly available on Google Plus, and I'm trying to be creative, so you can find me at Plus Liz Romero. But I think the main thing is with me on my quest piece, the main things that I would give people from someone who's kind of gone down the path that I have, but the things that really have helped me that I would urge people to try to remember and try to use is just trying to always remember to gain perspective on things and make sure if, if you're a visual person that you do talk to somebody and that you do get that extra, take that extra step to make sure you actually can see somebody, but you actually talk to them when you start to feel anxious, not when you're bubbling over. Don't do the bubbling over tea kettle. As soon as you hear that little whistle, that's when you should actually start to be off the stove, actually release stuff. So just be comfortable with your, your limits and accept them. They're not weaknesses. They're weaknesses if you don't actually acknowledge them. It's just who you are. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Goodbye. I, I can't. <laughs> I, I can't top that. Anyway, I'm gonna try to. You. I can't top that. Okay. So anyway, yeah, we're we're all trying to figure out our quest for peace. And uh, if you're wondering, hey, I want to watch older episodes of the show. You can. It's at gfqnetwork.com. We've got our archives there. Uh, we'll have new episodes following this one. So if you subscribe, you can do that, and they'll come in when when you want it. Well, actually, when they'll come in when they're ready. They're not gonna come in when you want them because that doesn't that's not the way it works. But Going to try to do a lot more of these. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and or watching. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Good luck on your request for peace, too. I'm Aya Zaktar.